do it. Get mentally prepared, bring it in. I'm going I'm to try to bring the thunder. All right, here we go. Hey everyone, welcome to Very Unreasonable Things Podcast. I'm Billy Bone, joined by Josh Lindsay. What? Nah, keep going. No, fuck you, you <laughs> asshole. I'm just fucking with you. God damn. Let's keep this in. Keep it, keep, keep it rolling. Howdy, keep howdy, rolling. I'm Josh Lindsay. Shut up. You're nobody. <laughs> We're joined today with You're not, you're not, you're not. You had a chance. We're, we have a special guest today, Mitchell Edwards, the fucking Ferris Bueller to our Cameron and Sloan. Yes, and Mitchell, What's you were up? looking, you were looking buff and beautiful, babe. Man, I try. Been getting the gains mm. every day. Every, every day, day you hustling. Okay. All right, so Mitchell. What's up? No nope. piece of wait, piece wait, of, wait. Talk, shut, shut up. I'm talking to Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> Give us some background. Not a, not a whole lot. We just you know we want to know a little about you. Well, let's see. Born in 1985. I will be 36 years That's old enough. tomorrow. Nobody cares. Born, <laughs> raised Carthage, known Josh for a while. Carthage what? Carthage, Mississippi. Okay, we have a listener in Austria. He may not. He might think you're talking about Carthage, gotcha. Africa. All right, Carthage, Mississippi, right slap dab in the middle of the state, Square County, class of 2003. Carthage Tigers represent. Married. About 11 years now. Got a couple of kids. God Boy and a damn, girl. it's been 11 years. 11 years next week. I'm a pretty cool guy. Pretty laid back. I know a, a little bit about a lot of stuff. So glad to be here with you guys to give a little bit of the knowledge. And so now our 10 listeners know more about Mitchell than they do about us. He just yeah, more we, we like to keep it that did. way. But yeah. <laughs> Mystery. Mitchell, I, think, I think Mitchell will bring a little... A little special sauce to this episode, and bef- before we begin, I just got to make it known to Mitchell that I am the Lando in this situation. Okay, just so you know, and, and I'm the guy with the uh, thing around his ears, Lobot. Gotcha. Who doesn't say shit? No, 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 no. You are <laughs> you are Darth Vader, and Mitchell, I. He arrived shortly before you did. You were Han Solo in this situation. I want you to know I'm Lando. I had nothing to do with this. Okay, Lando. But (laughs) we got Mitchell here for a couple topics today because we're going to talk about some sports. We haven't touched on a lot of sports yet, but we did, you know, we like sports and we're going to talk about it every now and then, right? And we're going to talk about Mitchell's favorite player of all time. Hey. He's not my favorite player of all time, but I will give you this. I have come around to him. I like him a lot more than I did previously. So Mitchell's favorite player. Just remember that when we get to that topic. And then also we're going to talk about the whole uh, Seattle scene. Not the whole scene. We're going to talk about four bands and our preferences. And despite what Josh said previously in another conversation, this isn't just so I can shit on one person. 
I'm going to refrain from doing that. I'm going to refrain from shitting on it, that person. It got, this feels like a whole elaborate plan for you to just take a, a big dump on a corpse. But I digress <laughs> for now. Hey, yeah, but, um, speaking of music, though, I did see some exciting news. At least exciting for me because there's not a lot of new music I like excuse me, or care to um, listen to. But Gojira has a, so old right now. Gojira has a new album coming out. I am excited about that. And I think uh, Mastodon's working on a new album. Care to elaborate on that, Mitchell? Um, no. Didn't know Mitchell have- had to elaborate on me being excited about an album. <laughs> Mitchell's waiting okay. for the new Five Finger Death Punish to drop. That's his band. Look at him. No, I, although I did see them in concert because I went. I like Breaking mm-hmm. Benjamin, and I saw Breaking Benjamin and Five Finger Death Punch was there. And as far as the show goes... It was a pretty badass show. I mean, fire and all that kind of shit. But was who was opening for who? Um, it was Bad Wolves, and then Five Finger played, and then Brick and Benjamin was okay. Headliner. I was about to say Brick and Benjamin should headline that, in yeah. my opinion. But I know the uh, the lead singer of Bad Wolves recently left the band. Oh, really? Yeah. How the fuck do you know that? Because I heard it on XM Radio on. Uh, Oh, was it liquid I thought metal? you followed his like IG or turbo. Or something. No, no, they were talking about one of the, no. I mean, what do they sing besides zombie anyway? I don't. Oh my God! Wait, they sing that cover of zombie. Yes. Oh, they didn't know that. They had so another, bad. They had another so song bad. that they, that, I haven't heard song, that. Yeah, it, it's fucking horrible. Well, yeah, probably so. <laughs> like I said, I just I know that they they left because I heard it on uh, XM and then mm-hmm. the. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I was excited for those albums. Uh, I don't know if y'all got anything y'all are excited for that's coming out. But in terms of music, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think twenty twenty has been a really great year for music or movies. Good thing it's twenty twenty one. Yeah, well, you know what? They work on them in twenty twenty. I'm just saying. Like, I don't. I don't know of a lot of. Is there a is there a band named King Kong or Kong? Kong, because I, I just I had this thought. Right, you got King Kong versus Godzilla, or Kong versus Godzilla, whatever the movie's called, or Godzilla versus Kong. The whole soundtrack should be just Gojira and a band called Kong. It's Gojira, like a lizard. Gojira is the Japanese name for King uh, for Godzilla. I almost said King Kong. That'd have been stupid. Is it really? Yeah. So if you watch the Toho movies, like in Japanese, it's Gojira. Oh, okay. Learning. Yeah. Dig it. Like that right. knowledge you're dropping on me. Podcast over. Okay. That's all we got for today. Oh, that's all, all right. we got. I just want to preface it again, just to reiterate, Mitchell, sweetie, future reference, I'm Lando. Had nothing to do with it. We're not there yet, though. Yeah. Well, I know. I'm just, I'm just setting up, you know, a preface. This is this is Mitchell's first episode with us. I want to make sure he's opened up a little bit before we. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of scared to see where this goes. Honestly. Hit him with this. No, I know we. Ain't no we. You're complicit. No. Well, All I'm right. Not. I'm not. I've, I've, I've said I'm not. Yeah, I said you are. So, Josh, usually you do all our research for us as far as like facts and everything. Um, today, we're going to talk about Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Nirvana, and Alice in Chains. Like the four major bands that came out of the, the Seattle explosion, the grunge scene, whatever you want to call it. Um you need background on that whole scene? You know what? I didn't prepare anything for these for for this topic. Oh, uh, oh okay. At all. 
at all because because when you pitched it to me, it was PJ v Nirvana v Alice and Chains v Soundgarden, and you know, even five years ago, Josh, I would have loved to do that because I was just a, a little asshole. But now I think I think if there, I don't want to bemoan anybody for liking either of these bands. Or and, not. That's not the well, point of it. Well, I, look, even my ranking is so irrelevant, but I, I do you love, love talking about this scene. Let's, yet you love list. I do, and I could give you my list, but I just think that when it comes to music, it's so objective, but I do love talking about this, and I All do right. love, I, look, the grunge scene that originated out of the Pacific North, Northwest, you know, in the mid-'80s, you know, I, you could put that up with, you know, just to me, it was the beauty of a, of American music at that time, because you know you you had your singer songwriters of the seventies, you had your psychedelics of the sixties, and the eighties had the the sunset the pop strip boom. Well, you forgot um, about you forgot about glam metal and stuff like that, like the sunset strip. Well, yeah, but the eighties had the pop. You know, hair metal, glam metal is eighties had a lot of almost, stuff. Yeah, it did, and then. Once that, once the eighties ended, and you know, me and you have talked about briefly about sort of never mind killing glam metal. I think glam yeah. metal was going to die anyway, just because the eighties was a dream, you know. Well, and music goes in like cycles, right? Anyways, I mean, well, it does, but but people were tired of that like excessiveness because that's what the eighties sort of. Wait a minute, you got tired of. The, like big, big no, mouths of coke. the image of the 80s. But then you had these, you know, these, um, what, what was the generation? It was. Uh, 70s was uh, like 70s to like late 70s was Gen X. Okay. It was Gen X who grew up. And because they've been sold this bill of goods from the 80s, of course, they were pissed off, you know, angry and. Of course, grunge was going to be born, but then went because I've I've been listening to a lot of these bands in preparation, and it's funny though because early Pearl Jam, ten, because Pearl Jam came from Mother Love Bone, the the surviving members of Mother Love Bone, and Mother Love Bone had one foot in glam metal, yeah, and sort of one foot in that early grunge. You can hear glam metal in ten because there's a lot of noodling on the guitar. You know, you look at Nirvana and their first album. I don't necessarily think that would be a uh, glam metal. I mean, because, you know, well, Led Zeppelin. Glam, glam Le- left a noodle, man. Led Zeppelin, you know, had guitar stuff in there. Um, you know, but I get what you're saying. But um, let's stare at Mitchell uncomfortably. Yeah, I mean, as far as <laughs> the grunge scene, you know, me being born in 85, I have a couple of older siblings that, you know, like that kind of music listen to Pearl Jam and listen to a lot of Metallica, a lot of Megadeth, a lot of Faster Pussycat, that kind of music too. But oh, We mentioned um, Faster Pussycat on an episode. Faster Pussycat's been shout out twice on this episode. <laughs> Man, I used to love some House of Pain. That was, whew. but uh, There's there only one that doesn't involve like S&M? <laughs> or maybe it does. A lot of their songs are talking about whips and dicks. This, this one was about a cocks. child. I think Damn. what? Being abandoned by his father, wasn't yeah, it? I think so. And then he got into S and M. 
Yeah, yeah. Because he had daddy issues. Yeah, he started whips and chains and it gag happens. balls. It happens to everybody. I mean, I think that's the standard path. Your uh, your father runs out on you, goes, goes to get a pack of cigarettes, never comes back. Next thing you know, you're a fucking submissive to a dominatrix. Or you're coming back to Friday the 13th. <laughs> <laughs> Jason goes to hell. Okay. Uh, okay. But I did, I did listen to a lot of Pearl Jam because of my older siblings and... 10, you know, I love, I, to this day, I probably listen to that album more than I listen to any other album by any band. So, oh, nice. That's yeah. interesting. Um, I guess let's, let's tackle these bands in the order they were formed. How about that? I mean, I don't know a good way to do it without it looking like we're trying to give preference to any one band. So if we do them in order they were formed, then we just go through all of them. Right. So 1984. Soundgarden. Yeah. I got some notes here, so I'll just kind of give you some, like one stat, I guess. <laughs> Six albums. Then they opened for uh, Guns N' Roses on the Use Your Illusion tour. I didn't know that until I was doing some research. But they had six albums. I think the first two albums didn't get a lot of traction. Then you had Bad Motor Finger, which inspired the name of a movie, The Filling Minnesota. I don't know if y'all remember that movie. I think it was Keanu Reeves, right? Uh, Keanu Reeves, Cameron Diaz. Right before Cameron Diaz popped, and the song was uh, outshined. Yeah, yeah, outshined. And then Super Unknown brought him into like the mainstream, right? Well, I think Louder Than Love gained a little bit of traction, and they sort of rode that wave. Super Unknown brought him into the mainstream. Louder Than Love did not. No, they rode the wave because it was Louder Than Love, then Bad Motor Finger. Yeah, well, I mean, they might have a little. That's what But um, as far as like their mainstream success, it was uh, Super Unknown. They followed that up with Down on the Upside, and I did not get the name of the last album. I cannot remember what it was. King Animal. That's what I got there you right. go. Mitchell's got it. King Animal. Then they broke what up. What year was that? Did you? This was after. 14, I think. Yeah, this was after uh, Soundgarden broke up. Chris Cornell formed Audio Slave with the remaining members of Rage Against the Machine. Then they broke up. He came back to Soundgarden. They did one more album. Then they released a compilation, which was that... Uh, Phantasmagoria or some shit. I I guess I should have looked that up. And yeah. then, <laughs> then Chris Cornell died in 2017. I mean, I didn't either, but look, I mean. It I feel kind of embarrassed now. Some stuff down, but not all of it. Yeah. I mean, I read like somewhere. It started hurting after the third line. <laughs> well, it was the third band I wrote about. You know, and I, I read like, somewhere Ooh. where they started back. They did a tour in 10, I think, after they broke up in like 96. They started a tour in 10 and then put that last album, King Animal, out in 14, I do believe. Did anybody listen to that album? I don't think it got a lot of play. All right, everyone. Josh went to take a piss, so we'll have story time while Josh is gone. Here we go. Once upon a time, there was a douchebag. His name was Josh. The end. He's also a fucking hipster. Mitchell had something off the record, so naturally I'm recording. Yeah, he called me a uh, fucking hipster. No, that was on the record. That's in there. Oh, this that is was, on the record. That was put on a T by none other than the guy sitting to my left, Billy. So the uh, what was that uh, album again? King of the Ant Hill. King, King Animal. King Animal. Yeah. So none of us listened to it. I didn't listen to it. I didn't. No, I totally forgot. Like, I guess I needed to do research on this shit because well, I think that illustrates a point, though, right? Soundgarden died after Down on the Upside. 
Yeah. At least for you us. You can make the case, like, at least they went out on their best album. Yeah, I mean, as I say, that's my personal favorite. Uh, I was kind of getting but ahead of the uh, thing here. I didn't I didn't listen to Bad Motorfinger in preparation for this. I, I wish I would have. But I, I haven't. Know. I haven't listened to the first two albums. I'm so my knowledge of this conversation is based on the stuff I've listened to, which obviously, I mean, your preference in bands is going to draw you into listening to the other stuff. Right. So if you're, here's my thing with Soundgarden and this is what I'll say. Soundgarden has some really good songs. They, they're, they're really good songs are really good, but for me, they have a lot of filler on their albums. Mm. Uh, super unknown. I mean, you had Black Hole Sun, Spoon Man, Fell on Black Days, The Day I Tried to Live, and then you had some other songs. That, at least that's my feeling about it. Um, Bad Motorfinger had... Shit, Rusty Cage? Well, it had Rusty Cage, um, Jesus Christ Pose, and Outshined. Outshined. And that was the album for me. And, and this isn't a knock on Soundgarden or anybody that where Soundgarden's their favorite band, just my personal preference, and that's what we're talking about here. Soundgarden was more like of a thing where if I could get the songs I wanted and put them on a playlist, I would be happy. I don't need all the rest of it, right? What would you say? That'd be about 15, 15 Pos- songs? Possibly, yeah. I said, yeah. Uh, I know I know. Uh, Down on the Upside has more songs that I enjoy than the other albums because it had Ty Cobb, uh, Blow Up the Outside World, Burden in My Hand, Pretty News, I will say this. A couple others on there that I liked. Pretty Noose might be in my top 10 opening tracks of any album ever. There is something about that opening guitar riff and just the way it kicks in. It's it's such a good opener. It's a fucking banger. But, you know, I think I'll – and I'm going to put words into Mitchell's mouth. Uh, (laughs) Well, he's not saying anything, so go ahead. Yeah. I think Soundgarden, you know, for the three of us, might be maybe four on our list of these four bands. But that being said, man, what Soundgarden, like you said, their first album came out in 84. We're starting with them because it's the first band, and that means something for them to sort of be on the forefront of this uh, this music revolution, in, in my opinion. Because I think, honestly... What would would have been a more interesting topic tonight would have been grunge versus Brit pop. You know, the 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 rock genres that clashed in the '90s. You know, the Oasis is the Blur. You know, Brit pop in Mississippi. Huh? Well, I'm just saying, like in terms in terms of its impact. Now, granted, we're in Mississippi. Shit gets to us later. And some of the cool shit never gets to us. Yeah, but I'd say I would say worldwide though. I still think grunge won that. I don't know, dude. I, well, I, I can't say that you're right on that because Britpop well, I mean, was everywhere. Yeah, but I mean, I, and jumping ahead, Radiohead, Blur, I would Oasis. Say jump, jumping ahead though, just to talk about Nirvana and their three albums, seventy-five million copies worldwide. No, Nirvana was like Michael Jackson. Nirvana knocked off Michael Jackson. Nirvana is not really a fair thing, a comparison because Nirvana sort of was this. Here's what you Beatles esque. Here's what you got from British British rock in that time period. You got two brothers that couldn't stand each other that kept getting into fist fights. You had one band that released a song that was like two minutes long, and he took that success and turned it into Gorillas. Well, and then, that's, and then that's being you got, so unfair though. And then you got Radiohead, who and I liked OK Computer. It was a really good album. 
But then they became a band that people liked just so they could pretend like they were smart. Look, I get what you're saying. But Same I think thing with to Tool. Discredit, okay. But to discredit Britpop would be totally unfair. And me, personally, I'm going to take grunge every day, twice on Sunday. But I'm just saying. I'm not discrediting it. I'm just saying you're trying to say it would be a more interesting topic. And I do, because it, it's the clash now, of genres in the 90s. And it's, it's across topic the pond. It's, 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 there's, there's a clash of styles here. If you listen to these four bands, there's a clash okay, of styles. Listeners, text us what you're thinking. Bone, can you give us your phone number right now so they can text us? Yeah, 1-800-JOSH is a douchebag. We're sticking with the theme tonight. We're sticking with the theme tonight. We are. Going back to Soundgarden for a minute, though. Um, as far as vocals go, I know you may have specifics. We may get into that later as far as the best of you know, vocals and drumming, uh, guitar, but... Yeah. Chris Cornell. I mean, as far as vocals go, man, I give him the nod. Well, he he probably had the most range. Yeah, I mean. Out of all of them. He dude. did. He did. Dude had some pipes. It was, yeah. It was, it was powerful. Powerful. Yeah. I'd give him credit there. And I mean, the musicianship in the band was good, too. I mean, it wasn't like they were slouches. Yeah. It's just that, for me, they had a lot of filler songs. doesn't mean they were bad or anything like that. It just. Well, speaking of I love music my, is coming out this year. Well, well let me say, before you say this, I will say this, just kind of prove my point though. I love Motley Crue, but Motley Crue has a lot of filler songs. It's not like it's hit after hit after hit, right? And well, there's nothing wrong with that. Dixie on that. So music that's coming out this year. Go ahead. Yeah. Chris Cornell, they're releasing a bunch of his unreleased covers that have been, I think, studio recorded. And it just came out. And anyone can look it up right now. And he did a cover of Patience. Uh, if you're going to say it's good, you need to get the fuck off this podcast. It is good. That it's covers. not better, but it's, it's good. It's not, I don't know. It, it changed the song. It's not for me. You can do that with a cover. That's the beauty of a cover. You can change it. You can make it your own, I man. I just recently, I just recently downloaded Karen O and Willie Nelson's cover of Under Pressure. It's fucking good. It's not, it's different than Queen and David Bowie, of course, but it's good. It's fucking Willie Nelson, the redheaded stranger, and Karen O. It's beautiful. Okay, next band. Let's go. It's going to be... Uh, Who's next? Well, there's two of them. No, we're going to go Alice in Chains. They're both 87. Wait, 87 for Nirvana? Yeah. And actually, and yeah, Alice in Chains formed in 87. And Lane Staley, I, I found this out when I was preparing for this. Lane Staley, you know, the singer of Alice in Chains, or the the main singer that everybody remembers. And that's not a slide. Uh, what's his name? William Duvall? The, the newer one? Yeah. No, it's Robert Duvall. Robert, yeah. the, the actor is the lead singer of Alice. There you Chains. go. Well, his last name is Duvall. But, um, yeah, Lane Staley was actually in a band called Alice in Chains, but the N was like Guns N' Roses, where it was actually the letter N. And when he joined up with Jerry Cantrell and the rest of the band, he asked his former bandmates for permission to use that name. And then they changed and it they to I N. Oh, that's so much better, too. Yeah. And I think, um, I think it's the first only- band... Well, I think the first band that Lane Staley was in was a glam band. Of course. Of course. And here's a little tidbit. I, I, you know, This has nothing to do with this. I just I thought about it because I was watching it the other day with Lizzie. But we were watching Platoon. And nice. Uh, you, you made Liddy, Lizzie watch that? I called yeah, her Liddy. Well, she, I told her about it, and she wanted to watch it. And then, um, But you remember the character Francis? Is he's, that Matt Dillon's the, character? No, no. It's, uh, it's the black guy that comes in with Charlie Sheen. And he stabs himself in the leg at the end of the movie so he can be twice yeah, injured. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lead singer of Living Color. What's his name? Vernon something? 
Vernon Reed? Or is that the guitarist for Living Color? Hold on. Vamp. Mitchell Vamp. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Mitchell the, vo- the, vocal- the vocalist is Corey Glover. The guitarist is Vernon Reed. Okay. But yeah, yeah, that's Corey Glover. Nice. Which I thought was interesting. It's a good pool. Nice. Yeah. So the actor in the movie is the lead singer of Living Color. Living Color. Yeah. Okay. Have you seen Platoon Mitchell? No. He's like, we're going home. We're twice injured. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I want to yeah. watch Repl- Platoon now. It's on Netflix, but I don't know if it's on Swedish Netflix. No, nah, I mean, not I mean, Swedish I mean, Netflix. Jot that down. I'll have to put that on my list. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. So Allison Chains, though, six albums. Plus an EP, which was Are you include, is that Lane Staley's? Now this is Allison Chains total, but six albums uh, plus EP Jar Flies. It's still Allison Chains because we didn't they count two no, no. EPs. Oh yeah, Sap. I forgot about that one. Sap. There yeah, but go. anyways, and quit trying to not count the stuff that the other singer did. Uh, well, I took, I don't I took acknowledge notes, it. You, and I did not. You don't have to acknowledge it, but they still have. Yeah, Mitchell didn't took, acknowledge it. Well, it doesn't I'm mean not, it didn't acknowledge it. it. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. It still happened. I mean, I Mitchell's didn't listen to wearing him. a Cubs hat and a Cubs shirt. I am listening I, to him. Y'all will get this. Love. Y'all, y'all will know why this is. Which Josh probably knows right now why I wore this. You know, during this topic. But, oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's but um related. Yeah. And so look, Bowen's wearing Pearl Jam. I love it exactly. So, anyways, I had the hoodie on earlier too. Like I did heroin concert. earlier, and and. <laughs> For Cobain and, and Staley. That's, and that's why you're more lively on this episode as opposed to other ones where you're like, so guys, this is Josh. Well, no, listeners, I am going to admit to y'all that I am a fucking idiot and I've had my microphone uh, <laughs> backwards <laughs> for all four podcasts. Even though it's been told to you every fucking time. That's know, the first I'm, I'm hearing that and that's hilarious. I'm stupid. I'm stupid. You get no argument here. So, but yeah, uh, six albums, two EPs. Staley died in 2002. They went on hiatus. They reformed. Just real quick, I guess, as far as like Alice in Chains go, I don't, to me, they're not grunge. Like, not, and that term grunge, where they, I think it just, it's like an enveloping it's, term. It's a blanket, but, it's a blanket yeah. term. Yeah. Because I don't, it came out of I, don't Seattle. I don't think, like when you listen to all of them, like Soundgarden doesn't really strike me as grunge. Alice in Chains strikes me more heavy metal. Or at least Allison, no, to be more specific, and I know this is like nerd talk, um, especially for people unaware, but if you if you listen to Alice in Chains, they sound like sludge metal, is what you'd call it. Yeah. You know, Ex- slower. Except for uh what was that first album? Uh, facelift. Facelift. Facelift is you could yeah. still you could still tell like the glam influences in facelift. Yeah. Um but yeah, so the term grunge, they came out of Seattle, but they don't fit into that bill of grunge for me. But here's what I'll say about Alice in Chains. Um, you know, I, I know that I said that Soundgarden had filler songs in their albums. There's not like just a whole album where I'm like, I like every song. But Alice in Chains had two albums where every song was like, you know, I can listen. Well, one full length and one EP, Dirt and Jar Flies. I can listen to both of those front to back. But, you know, for me personally, I think even grind, uh, not grind, um, Alice in Chains, their uh, their solo album, their their last that was that had thing. grind on it. Grind, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it started off the album, and I think even facelift, man. I mean, Alice in Chains is. I know this sounds silly. They're s- sneaky, sneaky good because you forget how good they are till you like you know you hit 
the first song and you're like, oh shit. And then it's just, yeah. you know, it's but like, there's, there's, oh. for me, there's still songs on the self titled with the three legged dog that I'm just yeah. kind of like, the majority of the songs I like, but there's a couple in there where I'm just like, yeah, I could skip it. Whereas if you put dirt yeah. on, dirt, man, yeah. like front to back and Jar of Flies, obviously, but it's what, five songs? And I know the, the Unplugged album, you know, it's a collection of their, probably some of their better songs, but that Unplugged album is awful. Oh, it's solid. Yeah. It's well, that, uh, it's awesome. that Unplugged version of Brother was much better than the one that was, uh, I think it was on Sap, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I'll find myself on YouTube looking up bands and I'll come across the Unplugged. I mean, and I'll sit the, there and watch it. Well, the Unplugged the version time. of Angry Chair was really good too. And that's, that's one of my favorite Alice in Chains songs. I well, love No Angry Excuses, Chair. I think, is better Unplugged. We're going to be talking about Unplugged albums in a minute, which kind of, I don't think any band has reached the plateau of Unplugged in New York, though. So I will say this. I mean, I know you were, y'all were talking about the, um, like, acknowledging the albums afterwards. I do think that maybe they should have carried on with a different name. I don't know. Uh, to me. I do. I know. I, I think every band should do that. Especially when Every they lose the, the lead singer. I mean, that's just yes. completely. Well, if, if they, um, if they had, and I'll use Iron Maiden as an example, right? Iron Maiden didn't start with Bruce Dickinson. They had a different singer for their first two albums. And then he came in and then he left the band. So they've already had a history at that point of having different lead singers. But Lane Staley was the voice of Alice in Chains. And they didn't have a history of rotating singers at that point, right? So, yeah, I well, think they should have, uh, they should have just had a new name. Well, you know, ACDC, right? Their singer died. Yeah. And then. Well, they got they somebody to sound back in black. They got somebody to sound just like them. Yeah. And ACDC, they just write songs about simpler times. You know, I'm, I'm back in t- black. Uh, I don't know. You, you, baby, you shook me all night long. But Alice in Change was their lyrics and their music because it was so, their music was so heavy and slow and. You, you pair that with Alice, uh, Lane Staley's uh, lyrics, which were so much about death and addiction. Like once you change singers and, and, and maybe not even necessarily lyricist, because Jerry Cantrell is a writer, but it just becomes a different band because you so associate that tone well, that Staley set. Well, he, had set. A, he was the, and the vocals. I mean, you're not going to have, and I think with any of these bands, you can't take the singer out and expect people to treat it as the same band. So was Contrail the only member in the newer version? No, of that yeah, the other members are still in so there. All of them besides There's another member who died, though. There's another member who died. But it's like um, if Axl Rose left Guns N' Roses. I mean, it's probably easier for you to episode. come up with bands that we, it would be okay to lose the lead singer. Yeah, it's like if Elton John left Elton John. Yeah, or if Dave Matthews left a Dave Matthews band. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like it replace them. Who needs them? But yeah, so favorite uh, favorite Alice in Chains record? Oh, I mean, it would have to be Dirt, of course. Well, I didn't. You know what? I didn't mean record because I feel like that's going to be the answer for all of us. I mean, favorite Alice in Chains song? I'll go first. It yeah, may be un- unpopular, maybe popular, but I mean, Nutshell is mine. Was I mean, a good I song. Love that song, and specifically the the unplugged version. Angry Chair is probably my favorite. I just I, I love the way that song opens up too. I do love Grind. I think it would be a tie between grind and no excuses. And I mentioned them earlier. And I will say this though. I will, I will tell you a song that a lot of people love that I'm not a big fan of, and that's heaven beside you. I 
that song just doesn't do it for me. Nah, I like Heaven Beside You. Actually, if I'm going to be honest, uh, Mitchell, you looking swole today, babe. It's going to be a nutshell. I mean, it's one of my top probably three to five songs of all time, regardless of band. I love that song. Did y'all see the uh, – I can't remember. It may have been Rolling Stone. I think I had a subscription back then. But Lane Staley did an interview shortly before he died. And I guess this is when they were on hiatus, the band – and he'd made the comment that the people in Allison Chains weren't his friends. Like you could tell, like, and I can't remember all of the interview, but just like that one comment, you could tell he was in a bad place. I'd like to go back and just do a little research on Lane Staley's like entire life, like just to see, you know, his upbringing. You know, how he did in school, just random stuff like that to see what you know put him in that dark place like that. Because you could, I mean, it, it bled out of him when he sang. I mean, and it's when. When he did die, like he died alone in his apartment from an overdose and he had been missing for a few days and nobody went to go check on him. They hadn't heard from him. It was like 2003 is when he died, right? 2002. 2002. And his manager checked his bank records. So like, okay, he, he had gotten money out of the bank at this time and it had been so many days. So when they finally went to go check on him, he was already like decomposing. Mm. On a, he he died on his couch, and his cat was like eating his body. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Well, not about the bank manager and stuff. I remember when they found been talking about when they found his body. He was already decomposing. Safe to say, though, everybody likes Allison Chains, right? I'm a fan. All right, so let's talk about Nirvana now. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> uh. Yes, I'm laugh at everything. <laughs> <laughs> Nirvana. 1987 never also. Exactly. Never heard of them. Wait, 1987. Yeah. Which album? I don't know if they had an album in 1987. I'm just talking about when they formed. You know, some bands okay, formed I- and toil away in the clubs and probably in Seattle is in somebody's basement. I don't know if okay. they actually played clubs in Seattle. Okay, Nirvana. This is this should be a this should be a good one. So well a lot of my stuff I'm gonna save. Or after, after we talk about all the bands, <laughs> this is Bone's special episode of shitting on things. So, three albums and then one B side record, and then obviously the uh, live albums they put out, the unplugged album. I think I think it's safe to say though, and we can all agree on this, whether you know, regardless of our preference of Nirvana where they fit in, but they open the doors, right? For grunge, and you can't see me doing air quotes, but grunge or the Seattle movement or whatever the fuck you want to call call it. But never mind hitting it was huge. Yeah. I mean like it or not, you think grunge, the majority of people of people are gonna think Nirvana, regardless. Here yeah, they were the poster was, child. Well when I was younger, I loved Nirvana. And I and I had um, I got Nevermind and 10 from the music club. I cannot remember what it's called, but you know the ones where you get like 12 cassettes for a penny? Oh, yeah. Columbia? Columbia, Columbia that's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So if you're listening to this, Columbia, got your ass. <laughs> God, I, I, I would hope somebody's listening to, from Columbia and they're like, let's nail his ass. <laughs> right. Um, son of a bitch. I got, I got my deep on him. got my twelve uh, tapes for a penny, and then never got any more. Well, so I got tapes or CDs. Tapes. What? No, it's tapes. It's, I was 
CD players were still pretty expensive. And Ooh, was, you old, buddy. You're not much fucking younger. But anyways, I did get one other tape from them, I think, before they caught on to, that I wasn't paying. And they're like, oh, shit, we just sold all this stuff to like a 12-year-old who has no source of income. But anyways, yeah, so I loved Nirvana when I was younger. Um, I don't love them as much now that I'm older, just being honest. A lot of that has to do with just, I guess, an evolution of taste in music. And then there is a part of that has to do with Kurt Cobain himself. And for somebody that, you know, is supposed to be inclusive and loving, he sure was a dick to a lot of people. Sounds like you have a, a, a love for Kurt, Kurt Cobain here. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was a dick to Eddie Vedder, right? Yeah. He was a dick to Axl Rose. And it's easy to look at Axl Rose and try to pin it on him like a lot of people do. Because Kurt, thought, you know, he had this, when you listen to his interviews and when you read these things about him, he had this air of superiority about him. When Kurt Cobain got to a, like a certain level of popularity or whatever, you know, everybody just started taking everything he says as the gospel, right? And and then he, he shit on Pearl Jam because he thought that they were sellouts because their sound was guitar driven. As you know? opposed God to forbid. the vocal. Yeah, they, they, they came out, man, and they had... Like I said, they had Bleach first, and, and Bleach was a good. I mean, I liked Bleach. They had some good songs on there, but these songs to me weren't. You know, everybody tries to make out like Nirvana so deep, and I struggle now as a forty-one-year-old man to find a deepness in some of these songs that people are trying to tell me are there, because some of the lyrics are just incoherent ramblings. Where he admittedly just clip, he took like poetry he wrote, he cut the lines up, mixed them up, and he would just draw one out and then use it as a line for a song. So if you're taking all these different lyrics that you've or all these different poems you've written and you're cutting up the lines and you're just pulling one out of the hat at a time and putting them together, how could it mean anything? And I tell think, what the fuck is aqua sea foam shame? Well, dude, if I have to explain it to you, then you just don't get it. <laughs> I guess. Obviously. But no, I think I think Cobain obviously is is the weakest of the lyricists out of these four bands that we're covering. I mean and to the point where he said that lyrics was the last thing he did, and he would oftentimes write lyrics right before they recorded the song. Julian Casablancas has said the same thing. But if you're going to shit, I guess my thing is, is if you're going to shit on another band, you know, and try to act like you're better than them or take a, a some kind of moral high ground against them or whatever. Be able to back it up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you you can't sit here and say somebody else's shit is, or somebody else's output's shit when you're literally just making up words. Catchy songs, yes. They do have catchy songs. They have catchy tones, guitar parts, things like that. But let's be real. It's simple. And that would have played out pretty quickly. I think this is one of those cases where you got the three albums. And if we'd have went past that, you might have started seeing a decline in quality. I mean, my thing with Nirvana, if it comes on the radio, one of their songs, I'm more than likely not going to leave it there. I'm going to turn it. But what songs are they playing on the radio? I have to, I, I, I generally want to know because yeah, I mean, if I it's mean, lithium, I can, I can see a lot of their songs is overplayed. Yeah, and and that's the reason. I mean, obviously they're gonna play "Smells Like Teen Spirit," um, "In Bloom," "Come As You Are," which I mean, those yeah, are probably three everything of them. off "Nevermind," which is yes. just of their three albums that's by far the weakest to me. Yeah. Which, well, I mean, go ahead, Mitchell. I, I'm sorry. I don't, I I don't think that's a, a fault of Nirvana that that happens. It's because of what you said. They overplay them. I mean, they just mm. constantly, you know. I mean, the channel is named Lithium, you know, on satellite radio. For fuck's sake, yeah. I think sorry. when you uh, look at, like, the Nevermind album, though, and you get Kurt Cobain 
saying that Pearl Jam and other bands, excuse me, Pearl Jam and these other bands are sellouts, but when you listen to Nevermind, it's very radio friendly. It's it's not this raw punk album that they would have you believe. It's like you say, it's catchy. Yeah. I mean, they're catchy. There's no, and I don't, and I don't, you know, I don't want to make it sound like everything's got to be like deep, you know, but there's no thought required, I guess, maybe for Nevermind. Well, to give people a, a little, you know, peek behind the curtain here, like I had this skit in my mind that I wanted to work out when we were covering these bands and I knew we were going to get to fucking Nirvana and Nevermind, which changed the game completely. I think it knocked Michael Dane, Michael Jackson's Dangerous off the number one list. I mean, people don't realize how fucking massive Nevermind was. But in my head, you know, and a lot of people associated, like we alluded to earlier, that it killed hair metal. And in my mind, like the, the producer of that album was Butch Vig. And before we started recording, I looked up Butch Vig. He's a drummer for Garbage. Yeah. And he's produced a lot of stuff, as you can imagine. A lot of Foo Fighters. And... Like, in my mind, I could just picture, like, Butch Vig in, like, 1990 being stood up on the Sunset Strip by, like, Rat and getting pissed off and just being like, okay, you motherfuckers, I'm going to kill you and your genre of music. And then just grabbing, like, Kurt Cobain by his cardigan and throwing him into the studio and being like, all right, play your fucking teen spirit song. And just make this perfect alternative pop album because that's what Nevermind is ultimately. It's it's just it's radio friendly, easily digestible by the masses um, kind of album. But I'll I'll let y'all say y'all's piece on Nirvana before I before I dive back into it. Yeah, continuing with Nirvana here, um, Dave Grohl, drummer. Um, you know, lead singer Foo Fighters. Love Foo Fighters. I mean, that was just one of the one of the great things that come out of Nirvana. Mitchell said that was the best thing that come out of Nirvana. I don't know why he's changing now. Okay, the best thing. Yeah. In my opinion. You know, anybody can have it. Here own. comes hipster Josh to shit on it. <laughs> I I think I think we we both might have the same opinion on this though. Even though uh, even though Josh said earlier he wasn't here to shit on people's opinions about music. It's about no, the shit I'm on not. Mitchell. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I'm, cool. I'm not. Cool with it. I'm not. But uh, yeah, I mean, not. talking about Nirvana, you know, Nevermind, one of the most played albums, like Josh was saying earlier, probably, you know, overtook Michael Jackson's <clears throat> most selling, you know, worldwide album, I guess. I think it was that year it knocked it off, right? Because Thriller still yeah, sold that more year. Danger so far. Okay, it was one year. of the biggest of the 90s, you know, okay. maybe Mariah Carey, or Michael Jackson, but. But, yeah. you know, Face yeah. of Grunge, um, overplayed. But, I mean, Dave Roll, I love him. I, I like listening to him sing. Great yeah. drummer. And seems, whereas I said that Kirk Cobain seemed like a dick, Dave Grohl seems like a genuinely nice guy. Yeah, he really does. I mean, I've, I've seen several of his concerts. You know, he brings his kids on stage, let him, you know, lets them play and the you guitar, know, and gives them the guitars. Dave like Grohl lent his uh, throne or whatever it was he used when he broke his leg to Axl Rose. And then Axl Rose gave him like his vintage guitar as a thank you. It's like a super expensive guitar. And Dave Grohl's like, this is the nicest guitar I've ever owned in my life. Damn, That's cool. That. That's cool. Yeah. So where Kurt Cobain couldn't get along with Axl Rose, 
Dave Grohl and Axl Rose, apparently. It, it almost it almost feels like Dave Grohl saw how Cobain was and was like, I'm not going to be that guy. Yeah, I wanted to be the exact you know? opposite. You know? Oh, yeah, because I'm, I'm not the biggest Foo Fighters fan, but I am a big Dave Grohl fan, you know? Like he's yeah. a he's a straight up dude, you know. He really he really does seem real real genuine, and he, I mean, he cares about his fans at least from the outside. Yeah, it looks like. And I'll say, well, yeah, when he did broke you his see his leg? It was here in Stockholm. Did you really? That's because y'all have good yeah. safety measures up there in Sweden, you dangerous motherfuckers. No, we have no safety measures. We'll send um, OSHA over to you. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Thank <laughs> but, uh, you. Thank you for uh, that. What does it say that? Did you see the uh, videos where he and a you know, little girl that's doing like the drumming and the, playing the guitar? So she yes. posts those YouTube videos and she's like, I challenged Dave Grohl to a drum off. And then Dave Grohl responded and they went back and forth for a little bit. And then he wrote a song about her. Like, that's cool. Yeah, it is cool. That's cool. Yeah, he's, he's a like good other, dude. Other people wouldn't have done that. Axel Rose would have just sent her like a vintage drum kit. And she would have had the nicest drum kit she's ever had in her life. Yeah. It'd have probably been owned by Neil Peart or something like that. So, um, and I'll say this about Nirvana before we move on. I mean, their song, their albums are listenable. Um, I mean, yeah, Nevermind has been overplayed, but it's still something you can easily listen to. And I like In Utero. Uh, I mean, my favorite song comes off of there. It's just that it's not the same for me as it was 20 years ago or not even 20 years ago. I mean, not, not 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I'm sorry. Or 29 or whatever it was, you know, when I was 11 or 12. I don't know. See, I'll, you know, just, and I'll, and I'll make this uh, quick. Like um, my piece on Nirvana is um, I've been listening to a lot of bleach, more bleach than anything in preparation for this um, podcast. And bleach to me is pure 100% what grunge symbolized. And I think you can hear a lot of the Mud Honey Pixies influence in Bleach. And I love that. And they course corrected after Nevermind. Because I think In Utero is a fucking pretty solid album. And then, you know, Kurt Cobain's Swan Song, that Unplugged album, is is beautiful. Because he didn't, you know, if Cobain would have went up there and did what Pearl Jam did or Alice in Chains or any other artist uh, at that unplugged era and just played the hits, it wouldn't have been as memorable. He played David Bowie. He played the Vaselines. He did all these covers, and he didn't do, like, Smells Like Teen Spirit Acoustic, you know? Well, I think, to um, be fair on that, though, at that point when they did Unplugged, was that 94, 93? Yeah. They are. They had more material. Like when Pearl Jam did it, all they had was ten. No, and, I, and I'm not. And I'm not trying to slight Pearl Jam on that. What I'm saying is, like, they didn't go up there and do the traditional. Uh, this is just our songs acoustic. They did a blues cover. They ended it on "Where Did You Sleep Last Night." That unplugged album is. I mean, it's the. God damn! I'm saying this on a podcast. It's the tits. It is phenomenal. It is a masterpiece. So, I mean, and, and you know, and when you go back and you watch that special, like there's so many, like, it, it's, they set decorated it like a funeral. And it's like, goddamn, how fitting is it that this is it? And it's a funeral setting because there's like just candles everywhere. And it's just got this very morose, sad vibe to it. And, 
fuck, did they kill it? They fucking killed it. So I've came around on Nirvana. I've I've gone like waves on Nirvana to where I'm like, they're, I'll, you know, I was 13, 14 wearing Kurt Cobain fucking shirts, you know. And, and then, you know, in my early 20s, I'm like, they're the most overrated band just because I was a fucking, you know, contrarian um, to where it's like, I can appreciate what they are. And, I, you know, you can appreciate what Nirvana did. I mean, even never mind to some extent with and still acknowledging that it's not as good as people remember it. But Nirvana, despite the shortcomings of lyrics, is a pretty fucking important good band. Yeah, I mean, I still like Nirvana. Just like I said, not like I did when I was a teenager. Um, no, and and I think that was I think I think Nirvana really really got it really connected with those feelings of being a teenager because it was more angst than Pearl Jam. You know, I, I think you misunderstood what I was saying there. That was supposed to be the final word, and then we move on. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't realize we were doing a podcast. You, you had you had you had ended yours pretty good, you know, and then we were going to shift, and you're just like, I'll just fuck it with you. Okay, 1990, Pearl Jam, eleven albums, uh, billions of live albums, literally. Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, you can listen like maybe a hundred of them. You can listen to all of them. <laughs> I mean, well, you have access to purchase all of them at uh, not their website, but through a different website. It was at Nugs. Shout out to the live album at Wrigley Field. Yeah, um, I probably have like got, a gigabyte. They, of- they do have a they have a greatest hits album. They have the B sides double album. So yeah, a lot of content out there. They've got a um, lot of EPs. They got some Christmas singles. Yeah. Everything. You name it. Yeah. I mean, I said earlier, 10 album. It's probably, you know, one of the ones that I listen to the most as far as any band, any genre. I love Eddie Vedder's sound. I mean, I just love, I love the band, the lyrics. Um, You know, they've been around since 1990. What's that, 21 years? They've put out 11 albums, like Bones said. Oh, longer than 21. It's 31. Well, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, my math off. They're about to re- release that uh, Pearl Jam 20 documentary, Josh. But, um, <laughs> and, and there's a reason they're <laughs> the, still the with us. The anniversary of the Pearl Jam 20 documentary. <laughs> I mean, the staying power. You know, we talked about the rest of these bands today, and I mean, Pearl, Pearl Jam has, still has their lead singer with us. So, I mean, they're still here. They're still thriving. They're still touring, still selling out stadiums. Um, yeah, and I think uh, Mitchell hit on something I, I have in my notes also, and it's um, the staying power. You know, and when we get into our final thoughts, I guess about the subject, I'll have something to say about it, more about it. But eleven albums, even probably the least of the eleven eleven albums, is still better than a lot of shit that come out. It's not like their their albums are full of duds. I mean, their their catalogs full of duds. I mean, anytime you go to a Pearl Jam show. It's three hours of music, three hours plus, right? And it's a revolving set list. You don't get to do that unless you have a, a catalog full of good songs. Despite what Billy Corgan said about Pearl Jam and them not having the songs to uh, that are going to go down. Uh, Billy Corgan probably was dropped on his head or something. I don't know. 
But you've mentioned him before in talking about Pearl. Yeah, I knew that was going to come up. Yeah, he he shits on him a lot. To me, he's just wrong. Like I said, you can't you can't have a revolving set list that's three hours long. Just to be able to play for three hours in is amazing itself, right? But then to be able to play for three hours and it be a different set list every time you fucking play, that's something entirely different. And there's not a lot of bands that get to do that. Like well, even you, you, even with um, you're a big Rolling Stones fan, and I, even when you go to see Rolling Stones, and like you hit on this on the, um, in other episodes, right? You want to be able to hear the hits, and I mean, I think like even with the Stones, they would. There's going to be certain expectations, and when you go to a Pearl Jam show, there's not because you may not hear Jeremy if that's your favorite song, or like when we went to see Pearl Jam, we didn't get to hear Corduroy, which or Footsteps, which are my two favorite songs. So Footsteps is. It was kind of common not to hear, but Corduroy, it was odd. But Steps gets played but, a lot. Yeah, but it's, it's, but, but that speaks to their. <laughs> Just fuck with. Go ahead. Was that your dog? No, he's still under the. No, bed. that was you. That was you. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that speaks, that speaks volumes to, to Pearl Jam to where you can go deep like that, you know? You can go deep in that pitch count. Ain't that right, Mitchell? Man. Yeah, you can go deep in yes. that pitch count. Go real deep. Get that pitch count way up Well, and another thing I'll say too, here, <laughs> I think um, it's become social media is full of assholes at times. And just, you stay on it and well, you're, we're not talking about that. Blood way. pressure stays high. <laughs> All right, douchebag. <laughs> like the trendy thing on social media is just to shit on things, right? That's what people use social media for instead of building things up, like if you say, I like pizza, there's going to be somebody there to call you a dumbass for liking pizza and say that you should like something else instead because pizza's overrated. And Pearl Jam has been around so long that we're at that point now where it's trendy to hate on Pearl Jam and dismiss their contributions when the reality is they probably have the greatest of contributions when you're looking at the four bands. Now, they didn't start the grunge scene or anything like that, but we talked about the sales of Nevermind. Ten outsold Nevermind. It took a little longer to catch on, but it outsold it. If we're talking about the musicianship on that album, it's better. The lyrics are better. To me, it's a better album, but it's not my favorite Pearl Jam album. And I think that's the other thing, too, is Pearl Jam stayed around so long that they didn't have that opportunity, I guess. I won't say opportunity because dying shouldn't be seen as an opportunity, but they didn't get out of the game early, right? They stuck at it through the highs and lows and they kept on putting out quality music where some of these other bands that we've talked about today, you know, three albums that are out, we didn't have a chance to see the diminishing returns or the chance to see if they could stay with it. And so we got people now that are like, oh, well, you know, Pearl Jam, blah, blah, blah. They're not no good, blah, blah, blah. They just wish they were this, blah, blah, blah. Eddie Vedder can't sing, blah, blah, blah. And to me, that's just, we joke about Josh being a hipster, but that's just people to me adopting a hipster's attitude about it and just trying to be cool so they can fit in with a crowd when it's, to me, so far from the truth. You know, 11 albums. I'll tell you my least favorite album is probably uh, Lightning Bolts. Yeah. Um, I I think a lot of people would probably should. But it still had good songs on it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it st- sirens. Yeah, it was still. Um, I think they had let the records play on there, right? Sirens. Yeah. Uh, get away. Yeah. yeah. So they were. I mean, even the song "Lightning Bolt" itself was okay. And I think 
And then you look at like Pearl Jam too, man. Like they had a lot of songs that never made it to albums, but become fucking hits. Like I got it. And I told you I like footsteps, but it was footsteps. Well, never made it to the a biggest pro- one proper album. Oh yeah. I know. Um, State of love and Yellow trust. Ledbetter. Oh yeah. Le- Yellow lead better. I forgot about that one too. Yeah. So yeah. Yellow lead better. The song that everybody knows wasn't even a fucking album song. It didn't make it. I mean, how good is your fucking library when you get these songs that don't make it? But like I said, I think that they just, they get shit on now because they've been around so long and it's just become a trendy thing to do. It's kind of a running joke with me. I show up to a party. All my younger friends say, get out the Pearl Jam. Mitchell's here. Put it on Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam radio. (laughs) It's hilarious. But they know. Like, I'm going to listen to Pearl Jam. I like the shit. I think the Stones suffered from this, you know. Zeppelin probably had like the perfect run of any band, you know, about 10 years and you're out And the, who knows what the Beatles would have done in 1975. You know, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, yeah. if they would have went on that disco route, but Pearl Jam gets uh, misaligned because they've been in our lives for so long and people just become dismissive because it's just, uh, well, Pearl Jam put out another album. Like, if you're a casual, if not, I, I I retract that. If you're just like a a person who knows a Pearl Jam, you know, it's like ACDC putting an album putting out an album for us. It's like okay, but ACDC ain't fucking Pearl Jam, you know. I think people get caught up on that grunge thing from the early '90s, and whereas they want to praise Nirvana and Kurt Cobain so much for it. They still want to shit on Pearl Jam like they never outgrew it. And that's so far from the truth. If, oh, you, yeah. if you look at the albums, it's an evolving sound. Yeah. No code isn't 10. Yield isn't 10. They, they've definitely no, they're, evolved. They're, they're all their different flavor. And, you yeah. know, you, you can you can hear that where they're at in each album. And it's funny, though, because, um, yeah, I have a buddy here who's like, um, you know, uh, I'm not a Pearl Jam fan. He comes over one day and I just, you know, I... I Bluetooth speaker, and I just put it on wish list. He's like, "Man, who's this?" I'm like, bruh, this is Pearl Jam. <laughs> Fucking yeah. Like, what you know of Pearl Jam isn't what you know. You know, yeah. Because wish you list probably, is. You listened to one album or something that made a. They probably well, heard he knows, Yeah, it just knows Pearl Jam is Pearl Jam, and it's yeah. like, nah, man. Like, I could put it on pilot. You know, of course, you know, I, I tend to stray towards no code yield and verses, and I think verses is. A perfect album, but and and I think so many of these people that say that they they haven't taken the time and they, you know, but we're fanboys, you know. But I don't know. Pearl Jam is eternal; it's forever. Yeah. So one hundred percent, man. It's like you said. Like the casual listener isn't going to acknowledge the developing sound. They're always going to go back to ten, and you know, that's always like when somebody wants something negative to say, they always start with that for some reason. And probably because that's all they've listened to. And they're like, oh, well, they've never evolved. But look at Vitology. Vitology, well, Pearl Jam and Metallica have something in common. They both, now Metallica, you know, they changed their sound to varying degrees of success, right? But remember when St. Anger came out? No, I don't acknowledge it. <laughs> well, the album St. Anger and Vitology have something in common, and neither of them have guitar solos. One band nailed it. One band probably wishes they could strike that record off their fucking discography. Oh, I'm sure Metallica ain't playing nothing off St. Anger if you go to their concert. Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking you're talking about a band that 
like I said, just constantly fucking evolved and did different things. You know, kind of delved into the alt country when they did uh, Off He Goes. And like I said, just an evolving sound. Yeah, you had like the punk flavoring. You had kind of, you know, you could listen to some songs and be like, yeah, this reminds me of The Who or this reminds me of Neil Young. And if you got into it, there you would probably find something you like. There's something for everybody would be my stance. I think uh, out of the four bands, you know, Eddie Vedder is probably the better lyricist or the best lyricist. Oh, hands down. Hands he, down. I mean, I don't By think he's... country gonna, mile. Yeah. Doesn't have the same voice as like Chris Cornell. But I do love Eddie Vedder's voice. But I mean, if we're being honest about it, you know, Cornell has the range, right? And Vedder's not going to hit those octaves. But just the better lyricist. Uh, I would venture to say probably overall the best musicianship, musicianship out of... The four, in my opinion. Um, it's also a lot of time together, though. Yeah. But I would agree. I, I don't I think. think I, was gonna say, I don't think that, uh, that, I guess, whatever you want to call it, the rhythm section or the guitar and bass or, you know, I don't think those guys get enough credit for what they've done. No, I mean, fucking, look, Stone Gossard has wrote, I mean, Pearl Jam's an ensemble piece. Stone Gossard to, you know, Mike McCready to fucking Jeff Amit and Matt Cameron. They're all writing music. But you're you're not gonna make a, you're not gonna make eleven albums with three chords or power chords your entire life. There's, Challenge there's a, accepted. There's only so much you can do it. Well, then you end up puddle of mud's like, watch me, bro. <laughs> I'm sure it disturbs right in your next album using the same. That's a topic for another we can't, time. We can't skip over the most important reason I'm a Pearl Jam fan. You know. Eddie Vedder being a big Cubs fan. I mean, that's got to be, that's, that puts there it over the go. top for me. Dude, it's, just it's like a match made like, in heaven. It's the cherry on top of being a Pearl Jam fan. It's the cherry on top. Go all the way, man. And that look, song, when that yeah. song come out, dude. Dude, <laughs> I've got like three versions of it on my phone. Mitchell, favorite Pearl Jam album? Ten. Josh. Yeah. This, you know, this is a, um, this is a tough one, actually. Um, all right, but, we'll come back to you. Mine's Vitology. All right, Josh, favorite Pearl Jam album? Oh, okay. Oh, God. Thank you for the time. And uh, we're back. I hope you've gathered your thoughts. I am a little scattered brain, but, you know, it's funny, though, because I have I've wavered on this because I don't think Pearl Jam was Pearl Jam into a versus. I think, I think a lot of bands, I think their sophomore album is their best because they're riding the wave of creativity from their first album, especially if it was mildly successful to a fucking global phenomenon like 10. But I think with verses you see, uh, and we were talking about earlier, uh, Eddie Vedder, Eddie Vedder as a lyricist. And to me, it's a way more personal album. It's, it's tighter. And to me, it, it just hits all these emotional uh, pressure points for me, you know, whether he's talking about his, the opening track is go. And that's about his truck that won't start. And he's frustrated to guns in America to with glorified G to, to growing old and being alone with elderly woman behind a counter. And to me versus is one of the most um, perfect albums None of the 90s, but to me, of all time. But I will say, like, No Code is my second favorite. Because I don't think it's fair to say Versus. Because Versus is, 
like I said, it's perfect. It's like the fucking Mona Lisa of um, fucking 90s albums, but I think No Code is close second. So I I got that uh, Tom Petty documentary, Running Down a Dream, I think it's called. I was watching it, and the uh, the producer of Damn the Torpedoes said it's the third album, where people usually were bands. Okay, like, that's, that's interesting, yeah. Because he, because uh, Damn the Torpedoes, but he, he also mentioned Bruce Springsteen with Born to Run. And then there was another but one. It, I can't, no. I can't remember. And, and then my I think of personal, the killers when I think of that. Yeah. My personal favorite would be in Vitology, would fall into that third category. No. But then I, I agree. Yield and No Code, you know, however you want to toss them up, are going to be my next two. Yeah. And, and I will say, as far as the newer albums, Backspacer. I love Backspacer. That's such a good album. The the self titled album has grown on me as years have gone by. I know it's not newer. Jesus Christ, fucking Tom is <laughs> the flat circle well, here. Well, they got a, they got a pretty big gap now between albums. So when I say newer, I would include the self titled as one of the newer ones. Self titled was that in the two thousand? I'm sure sometime like early. 2000s. It was after nine eleven, Mitchell. The the four bands on here. Three of these four bands. I don't want to say benefited because once again, a death, you know, somebody's death shouldn't be seen as a boon. But the truth is, is artists, you know, whether it's, you know, music, movies, whatever, tend to get remembered more favorably when they die, when they pass on. Of course. Eddie Vedder's still alive. Pearl Jam, the members are still alive. So it's easy to rip on them because, you know, you know, whatever. You know, like I said with Nirvana, man, Kurt Cobain kills himself in 94. They've only got three albums. You don't get to see what that career looks like. So it's easy to be like, oh, well, he was a genius. Well, a lot of bands have had three good albums and have fallen off, right? Faster Pussycat. <laughs> Shout out. I don't know. I don't even know. Uh, but I mean, you can't fault Pearl Jam for having a staying power. But that, and that's, and you know it, I mean? it seems, yeah, exactly. But, but that seems they, but to be what happens. They, but they catch flack for it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, Kurt Cobain's remembered as his icon when, and I don't know. I mean, if you hold him in that regard, that's cool. But I don't think it's fair to shit on, you know, somebody else that's had a long career. I think, you know, Soundgarden is, you know, Soundgarden didn't have a lot of buzz when they got back together. I mean, people were excited about it, but to the point where we didn't even know about King Animal or whatever it's called. You know, and then once Chris Cornell passes, all of a sudden, you know, Soundgarden's shooting up the ranks when in to me, in honesty, their albums are probably the weakest out of the four groups. Yeah, Alice in Chains. And here's this one was kind of odd, actually. I will say this. Um, when Lane Staley died, there wasn't that big like ripple effect. And for some reason, and maybe it's because he died of a drug overdose. I don't know. But it didn't. And, you know, you found out that he was dope sick and all those things. I mean, now we look at Alice in Chains more favorably. But when it happened, they didn't. Even then, I think, like I said, people tend to elevate those three bands above Pearl Jam because of that. Well, and to me, that's not, not, not Alice fair. Chains. No, no, you're right though. The ripple effect of Lane Staley well, if you, was if not you go terrible. if you go on um, if you go on like social media, you'll see a lot of people now, and and social media is like what we have to take the pulse again. With, right? Like you, you got to stay off that. But no, you can't because that's the only way you can get people's opinions. If I go and ask somebody, you know, at work. Hey, what do you think about Lane Staley dying? They're gonna be like, who? Yeah. It's like, yeah. But then again, like Josh is saying, how many? What? What percent 
are you grabbing from? I think you're right. It's, it's probably a vocal minority, but still, like I said, it's the squeaky wheel. And right? it's usually extreme, either one way or the other. Yeah. There's nobody that's yeah. ever. Yeah, there's I, no medium in that yeah. shit. No. But I think, um, you know, outside of outside of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, you know, Pearl Jam's, the, those two, to me, are the greatest American rock bands. Uh, the greatest songwriters. You know, I, I think you could, uh, those two, my personal preference, those two bands, you could take any of their stuff and you put any album on and you're going to be able to sit there and listen to it and it's going to be good shit, right? I mean... I can't do that with Soundgarden. If we're I, just going to pretend like Power Man 5000 don't exist, then let's do it. Well, you know, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Exactly, right? But uh, out of the four, to me, the best of the four somehow has become the least regarded. And I, you know, I put Pearl Jam number one. Um, current Spoiler state alert. Of, current state of mind right now I put Alice in Chains number two. Then I put Nirvana. Then I put Soundgarden. And and part of that, and Nirvana and Alice in Chains is liable to flip. But here's the one thing that's never happened. My opinion has never changed on Dirt from the moment I heard it. And Dirt being one of the first CDs, not tapes, but first CDs I ever owned. I got a CD player one year for Christmas. And I got three CDs as a present. It was Euthanasia by Megadeth. It was Alice in Chains Dirt, and it was something else, and I cannot remember what the other one was. But my opinion Garth is Brooks. No. I know you're trying to be funny, but no. Um, I mean, my, you're from Texas. I don't know. Oh, God. Anything <laughs> that makes me look bad, cut it. No, but, um, uh, but yeah, I, I, my opinion has never changed on Dirt, that album. You know, it, it's a fantastic album. It's What was your first CD, Mitchell? First CD. I think it was, I don't remember which one, but I know it was Aerosmith. It was probably Pump. Push Pump. It, it was ones. because um, a Dude Looks Like a Lady. Whatever whatever album that is, is what it was. Dude Looks Like a Lady. That was 87. That was Permanent Vacation. Vacation. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But that was because five, six years old, early 90s, my dad. I mean, I love the song. Just sang it all the time because he played it all the time. Yeah. My first CD was actually Bleach. I know. I know this is this is um, really good podcasting here. <laughs> Talking about our first compact discs. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's relevant. Forty-year-old men and Dire Straits. I remember Dire Straits. Is it Money for Nothing? I know. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah, Brothers yeah. in Arms. I love that. I want to say I got that at one point. Well, how would you uh, how would you rank them, Mitchell? I think my rankings were pretty much on with yours. I mean, even down to the two and three flip-flopping, just depending on more times than not, I would probably have Pearl Jam one and then change two more times than not, Nirvana three and then Soundgarden four. Um, not really going, don't have a lot of content to why the rankings are the, how they are, but Pearl Jam's probably my favorite band, so they're going to be number one, obviously. Um, I think the Unplugged album, for Alice in Change, kind of puts it over the top for me at number two. Um, Nirvana being, you know, I guess crowned as the founder of grunge at three. And then Soundgarden, just, I mean, I, I like a lot of their songs. Cornell's best vocalist of the four, I think. But like the band, just rank them four in this certain uh, number of bands here. I mean, you don't have to be timid when you're saying it. Say it with some authority. I feel Soundgarden's number four. <laughs> Mitchell Edwards signing off on this. What Bones said. They're number four. Josh, grin and piece of shit. I'm sorry for being happy. 
spending time with my friends. Jesus. Got your fucking Christ. beanie on your head looking like Jughead. Well, my hair is like in between long and short, and it looks pretty stupid. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with my life. Well, um, what you can do right now is give us those rankings. Yeah, yeah here I go. Uh, number one, obviously, is Kid Rock. <laughs> no, Probably. obviously. Yeah, there you go. Obviously, it's Pearl Jam. And if I, if I had to sit here and say it right now, I'd say Nirvana, too. Fair enough. And that's no and that's no slight towards Alice in Chains. I just think their unplugged album, I think In Utero, is kind of like a low-key classic album. I've, I've got at least two different versions of covers of Heart Shaped Box on my iTunes that are just... I got one by uh, the uh, the composer who did Game of Thrones and Westworld, Ramen Dijon, whatever. It's an orchestral cover. Uh, I don't know what that means, but I think Nirvana and the more I listen to Bleach, I'm like, man, this is gritty. This is like punk slash grunge, and that's more of my tastes. That's no slight to Alice in Chains, who I think are just... They're special in their own way, but I think it's the unplugged. It's sort of like Mitchell was saying, for me, it flips. I think the unplugged for Nirvana puts it over. And Soundgarden never got a chance to do that. And I think I think I think Cornell educationally, I don't know if that's the right word, is the better vocalist, but give me Vetter any day. Give me Vetter's lyrics. Yeah, well lyricist versus vocalist. But yeah, I and, you know, and it's, once again, we're not shitting on anybody's opinion. Uh, we're just sharing ours, and that's what this is for. But do know this, our opinions are correct. Even though we're telling you it's okay to have your opinions, ours are the correct opinions. You know, it's good that you, I, I would say it's good that you put Nirvana number two. Otherwise, it just seemed like we agreed on everything. And at some point, there has to be some, we can't agree on everything, yeah. right? Like, at some I point. Mean, I mean, I'm here to disagree, right? So, uh, yeah, so far, though, me and Josh have agreed on a lot. And it's, uh, yeah. it can't, like, it almost needs to be like PTI. We need to be, and then, and, the, and then, like, the last topic of the day, I'm assuming, is Tom Brady and Jesus. Yeah, that's going to be a love fest. I mean, how lame is that for but, me and you? Yeah, I know. That's why we got Mitchell here. Um, exactly. I'm here to break it up. Yeah. We have to lose that one, Mitchell, baby. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna go down fighting. So we got, <laughs> so we got two topics left. Um, favorite PS1 game, Mitchell. We talked about it earlier, and mine is Metal Gear Solid. You son of a bitch! That was my answer, also. Um, motherfucker. I think it come out in late '90s, '98, '99, something like that. Played the hell out of it at my dad's when I went over there uh, every other weekend. I, I stayed on it. Went to Walmart, bought the book to help me out a little bit. Got through it, beat the game, and it was fun times. I mean, honestly, that's the only game that I can remember playing. <laughs> um, yeah. So Mitchell's a piece of shit, too. He stole my answer. I don't know how because we didn't talk about this beforehand. But Metal Gear Solid, probably my favorite PlayStation 1 game also. Got it when I was college. So it would have been 98 or 99. 98. had to be 98. Because yeah, I went to – to the mall in Meridian, Mississippi, Bonita Lakes, and I bought it. And I remember 
I had some kind of, uh, my battery died. I had to get somebody to jump me off so I could make it back to college. And then, yeah, played the hell out of that game. Loved it. Had uh, had pre-ordered it, so I got like a fucking Metal Gear Solid t-shirt that I wore the shit out of until I had holes in it. Solid Snake. Yeah. The, the fucking voice acting. Metal Gear. But I, I just remember this shit. I got the book. Like I was saying earlier, I got the book from Walmart. It you know, gave you tips. It showed you pictures of the maps, where to hide and all this stuff. But I was honestly addicted to that game. My son plays on the PS4 now. He plays some games. What do you uh, let your son play there, Mitchell? Uh, How old's your son? We won't speak of that right now. But <laughs> How many millions of uh, dollars did he buy on this one game? Um, but anyway, he plays that a lot, and my wife's always on my ass about it. He don't need to be playing. I'm like, come on. Fucking suck. And then I bring up the point of me playing this. Let's see, 98, so I was I was 13. I was a little older than him. Yeah. But uh, and this was nowhere yeah. near. Does he play online? Uh, Yes. Yeah. He, he, you haven't ever had him invite you to a game? Him? Yes. You've never had Mitchell Sun invite you to a game? Uh, My PS, my... Uh, Internet for my PS4 has been down for. So you, you remember when we used to play Friday the 13th and we kept trying to get Mitchell to play and all that. <laughs> and we played a little Madden and we got Mitchell to play. Well, then every now and then I'd see an invite from Mitchell to play a game, but it was never Mitchell. It was his son. Yeah. He played under mine. My, my He'd be ninja inviting. Yeah. But anyway, I brought that up just to sort of compare me and him as far as being hooked on a certain game. But this was my. This was my crack at age 13. Except his son's laying down the pimp hand on hookers. Yeah, hopefully no one reads between the lines on that one. <laughs> Josh, what's your okay, favorite? Before, yeah, before I begin this, I um, I want to give a shout out to the PS1, specifically the year 1999. I want to give a shout out to MLB 99, NBA Live 99. NCAA football 99 and NFL game day 99. My God, this was the year for sports gaming. It, I don't know if there's, you know, I never, we live in Mississippi, so NHL was not on my radar, but I'm assuming NHL 99 was a fucking banger too, because, you know, I didn't put Madden on this because I wasn't a Madden guy. I was a game day guy. 989 sports was Fucking where it was at. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. EA Sports, man. They were doing MLB. They were doing, you know, NBA Live, NCAA football. All of these sports games were so goddamn good for their time. And those days are gone. Now it's, you know, there's no one to compete with EA for FIFA or Madden. Well, no, there's, they don't a, give up there's, there's competition for FIFA. You got Pro Evolution Soccer, Pez. A lot of people love Pez. Okay, maybe, maybe, and I but there's no competition. There's no competition for Madden. Though. You're no correct competition. about that. But at the time, it was, and I mean, the sports gaming uh, business had never been stronger than 1999, and it was so fun. Okay, here I go for the PlayStation One. Um, this era of the console, the first PlayStation from 1994 and Till the PS2 is probably the least replayable era of games. It's this odd time frame of games and technology where they were trying to figure out who they were, like an episode of Boy Meets World or early Hanson albums. Early 3D graphics don't hold up that well. They don't. 
but it led us to where we're at now. So there was a purpose. It did, but the games just look gross, like the English language before the adjective was invented, you know? And here we go. I got three games. Metal Gear Solid. Obviously, this game was... God damn it. We all agreed on Metal Gear. Yeah, it revolutionized sort of gaming in a way, like Mario was to Nintendo. I swear we didn't talk before this. No. I swear I I didn't know these guys before we did this podcast. (laughs) I don't know these assholes. But Metal Gear Solid, here we go. Any game where the protagonist reminds me of Kurt Russell is a win. Way to go, Konomi. Now I'm playing and enjoying your game with a boner. <laughs> Second one is Silent Hill. Fucking, you know, whatever the horror genre was at that time, Silent Hill took it up a notch. I'm not playing with a boner, but I peed my pants a little. It says something. And the third one's Resident Evil 2, which I think would probably be my favorite. You know, I was going to say, like, if I had honorable mentions, Resident Evil 2 and Final Fantasy 7. And I'll tell you what, that first Tomb Raider game, I got into that a lot, too. But, yeah, those Resident Evil 7 and Final Fantasy 2 would be my honorable mentions. Yeah. Resident Evil 2, like, I was playing with a boner and a little bit of wet pants, you know? 1999 was a weird year for me. You know, and I've... uh, I've got the Resident Evil 2 remake on my computer. Humble brag. And it looks amazing. But I have a harder time playing it now just because of anxiety when I'm playing those types of games. Oh, yeah. I mean, I get that. (laughs) Yeah. That's the reason why Resident Evil 4 was, or 5, 4 was so great. Or still has moments. Five, uh, you and Michael had played through, and you tried to get Okay, it was five, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. because it had to co op. And then we tried Resident Evil 6, and it was. Garbage. Oh, God. And I wanted uh, to love it so yeah, I know. much. I remember because me and you started playing that one together, and then it was just like... Uh, it was just an action move. It was like an action game. It was like Call of Duty. I can't remember. Did you try Resident Evil VR when you was over here? I did. I did. Dude, I, I tried that for like 10 minutes, and I was like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm fucking good. Fun. I can't. Come on, on the VR? Yes. It's intense, dude. I don't think I've ever done anything on the VR. Before we get into this last topic... Josh, we had something else oh, we had to talk Jesus. about. Oh, Jesus, yes, yes, Mitchell. I, uh, Side topic, let me, let's see here. Again, I got to reiterate, I'm Lando here, baby. I'm Lando. I didn't know this was going on. So we discussed earlier that Mitchell is a friend of ours, pers- close personal friend, right? But Mitchell also had another role in our lives. About 10 years ago, we started a fantasy football league. That's correct, right, Mitchell? Yeah, yeah 10 years around, ago, around 10 years, I'd say. And who did we make commissioner? Yours truly. Yeah, one Mitchell Edwards was made commissioner of this league. And since that day, it's been nothing but one corrupt act after another. Mitchell brought in Daniel Sanders year two into the league. And then year three promptly kicked him out of the league. Honestly, I think there's more to that story. Than I, I don't think there which, is. Which you're leading on to, Bone. And I, thankfully, to due to some technical difficulties here, I'm not – Completely ambushed with this topic, but um, um, you had some time to think of this because we had to re-record it. But it doesn't change the fact of your guilt. You kicked uh, you kicked Daniel out of the league. Josh may have helped you a little bit. I don't know, but you kicked him out, didn't you? I'm trying to think back of why exactly. Was it because he he went to work? That was it. Yeah, yeah. But he was still able to play. To the point where Daniel joined a family league with his wife, and I think they just alternate winning the league. 
Yeah. They dominate every year. Yeah. Although we have gotten some pictures of Daniel having to bow down to his wife when she beat him. So that was worth it. But after Mitchell kicked Daniel out of the league, he brought his wife into the league. And That's then what corrupt, right? Then well that part, no, I mean it's a little nepotism, but what happened the following year? She uh, You kicked your wife out of the league, you son of a bitch. <laughs> because she did better than you. She finished higher up in the standings and you removed her from the league. She did pretty good. I mean better than the commissioner. Based on the teachings of her husband, though. So. Uh, based on the te- who couldn't stand it and in a fit of jealous rage removed her from the league. She swears up and down it's because she was pregnant. And I'm like, don't it, try may, to, it don't, may have been. Jennifer. Don't try to pass the buck. Because I can see myself saying, like you said, you know, she beat me the year before. So I'm like, I don't want to lose to a girl. Like, no, you're, you're gone. So not only did you kick your wife out of the league, but you admit to being sexist. <laughs> God damn it. Fuck. Every year since this league has started, Mitchell, being a commissioner, is in charge of setting up the draft. The date, the time, the order. Yes, the date, the time, the order. It has me helping him because I'll take a screenshot at the end of the year where we finished. You know, so because we do our draft the same way the NFL does there, we do it based on the way you finished. And I'll take a screenshot and I'll send it to Mitchell and be like, here's the draft order. And he'll be like, all right, cool. And then draft day comes, even though I've told him like five days prior, hey, Mitchell, make sure we set up the fucking draft so we can draft. And every year without fail, Mitchell doesn't do it. About an hour before the draft. Hey, man, what's that order? And then it comes time to draft, and something has gone wrong, and we have to push the draft back an hour every single year. But then one year we decided that we were going to get a championship belt. Remember that? It's, it's glorious. It is. Mitchell was supposed to do – well, there was two things that Mitchell were supposed to, was supposed to do. One, he was supposed to get the names engraved in that belt. And here we are having the belt for like five or six years, and the first name is not engraved on it. But more importantly, the first year we got the belt, the champion never got to touch it. He never got to take it home. Matt Wilbanks was the champion, and Mitchell kept it for himself and never gave it to Matt. I mean, everything you're saying here just goes back on the way I live my life, and that's corrupt procrastination. <laughs> corrupt. Mile at a time. Yeah. <laughs> So we've given Mitchell the nickname like Mitchell Edwards McConnell or Mitch McConnell or Mitch Which, Edwards McConnell. That is not fair. It is you corrupt. Do the, no. Corrupt. Corrupt. You can't see me pointing at Mitchell, but corrupt. Well, you can. Corrupt, 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 corrupt. Ask Matt how he feels about it. He never got to hold the belt. Was the first champion when we got the belt and never fucking got it. Ask his wife, who doesn't get to be in this league anymore. Ask the people who... Ask Daniel. Yeah, ask Daniel. But ask everybody who has to fucking like reschedule on draft night because Daniel pushed not Daniel, Mitchell pushed us back an hour. It's all love, man. I do it because I love y'all. Corrupt piece of shit. But anyways, enough well, Mitchell's corruption got so severe that there was an attempted rebellion, coup, coup overthrow. Yeah, they but it failed. But you could see the thoughts were there. They're like, we, we can't stand this corrupt motherfucker any longer. Yeah, there was definitely momentum there to overturn it, for sure. The one thing I will say in Mitchell's defense, or well, not even in Mitchell's defense, because I'm not defending this piece of shit for what he's done. I don't know why you'd want to take that spot for Mitchell, because then you're just going to have me shitting on you the whole time. 
that's essentially been Mitchell's last 10 years. Me telling him how sorry of a job he's done. Yeah. <laughs> this job. Yeah. And you know, this time I, it's in podcast form. Well, that's so everybody can know what kind of person we're dealing with here. He may, people. He may sound nice and sweet and all that, but it's it's not true. And I used to think Mitchell was like the nicest person I knew until I got into this fantasy football league with him and I saw how vicious he was. Oh, my wife beat me. Not anymore. You're out of the league. The true See colors ya. have come out. Yeah. Daniel, you thought we were friends? Out of the league. Matt, I know you did a fantastic job coaching those girls to the semifinals in the state championship, but you're not getting this belt. I'm keeping it even though I didn't win the league. It's because like I'm finish, man. I have power. Nah, fucking Absolute power corrupts absolute. I like to think that Mitchell kicked his wife out because she was pregnant. I want to stick to that story. <laughs> yes, because that's probably she, the truth. Because she though. couldn't manage a fantasy football team from her cell phone while she was <laughs> laying in bed. You know, thinking back, I never thought it was fair that she was in the league anyway. Because you put her in because, the league. Because if it was me looking, if it, you and Lizzie were in the league with us, I would think you would be running two teams. Oh, no. Well, and I never, you know what? I'm glad you brought I, that up. She may have asked me because, I mean, we talked too and we asked yeah. opinions. Uh, here's, but I never set her lineup. Here's something I, I think, here's something I think Mitchell did. Yeah, you know, since he brought that up, I was streaming defenses that year. And I would change them out each week. And then all of a sudden, Jennifer started picking up the defenses I was going to pick up. And I feel like it's because Mitchell told her to pick them up. Did you watch that closely? Because she may have picked them up and dropped them. I may have, I may have gotten them. I may have told her. I didn't watch it that closely. But I didn't. Um, but, you know, that would have been a thought in my head if, you know, you and Lizzie or whoever else See, and their spouse had been in the league. Corrupt people have corrupt thoughts. And they think about how they can <laughs> cheat. Well, I- I, th- that, I think we should move on to our next topic well, that's, because I I say, that's, topic, uh, that's all I got to say about this uh, this corrupt motherfucker right here. I'm waving my hand above his head just to <laughs> signify how corrupt he is. You can't see it, but it's there. Corruption written all over my face. Yeah, pretty much. Yes, yeah, so let's um, let's move on to the next topic. Tom fucking Brady. Let's talk about him. Well, it's Thomas Edward Brady. I like my way better, but sure. Or TB12, whatever. Or the goat. No shade there. Yeah. So, Mitchell, you're a diehard Dolphins fan, aren't you? I am. So, uh, admit it. Reformed. I thought reformed. Is that not true? There's a lot of promise with the Dolphins now. Though. Yeah. I mean, you said diehard. I'm not really a diehard fan. No. I mean, I like them. I've liked them ever since elementary school. But, you know, not diehard. I'm not really a diehard fan of anybody besides Your corruption Chicago knows no bounds. <laughs> or Mississippi State baseball. I love some So, Mitchell, now that you're wavering on your love of the Dolphins, anyways, just go ahead and admit it on this podcast. Who's the greatest quarterback of all time? Statistically? You know, we're not talking about statistically. Oh, we just, just answered a question. It's still Tom Brady. I mean, That's the beauty of this conversation. Y- y'all know more than anybody. Um, my hate for this man. Oh, I thought but, you just said we know more than anybody. I, like, I that's a pretty, that. Actually, Bone, cut that. <laughs> cut yeah. Just double it. Yeah. Um, that's going to be the intro to the podcast. <laughs> but within the last, I would say, five, six years, I have come around on Tom. Um, I'm, I'm a fan of the Dolphins, so I mean, him being in the AFC East for all these years. Torching everybody else in the AFC East. 
just owning them, winning the division every year, it seems, besides the one he didn't play, got hurt. Um, yes, I hated the man, but you can't deny his greatness. I mean, come on. The man's been to 10 Super Bowls. He's won seven. He has records up and down the, the record books. He plays with a chip on his shoulder, drafted in the sixth round. I mean, what pick he was is he? 199. There you go. Good deal. Um, I have come around. He is – I don't like admitting this, but, I mean, you can't not say he's not the best. So, Mitchell threw some stats out there, and I'm just going to add to him real quick, and then we'll dive into the conversation. But he had already said 10 Super Bowl, seven wins, six-round pick, number 199. Uh, it took two teams to the Super Bowl, right? And I know there's other – I know that Peyton Manning did it also, but Brady did it with an AFC team, and then he did it with an NFC team in his first year. 17 division titles with the Patriots – 13 AFC championships, obviously the one NFC championship. So you're talking about 14 conference championships in a 20-year career. Um, Eight consecutive AFC championship appearances. You know, at 43 years old, he threw 40 touchdowns in the regular season. And, you know, for the Brady fans – or not the Brady fans, but the Manning fans, I'm sorry. I know you're going to be like, well, Manning won a Super Bowl with the Broncos. But statistically, he was the worst starting quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl. Yeah. They, they even he talked about that. Here. The Broncos didn't win the Super Bowl because Peyton Manning took them there. They won the Super Bowl in spite of Peyton Manning. Tom Brady came to a team. And people will say he had weapons. But you know what else happened when Brady came to the Bucks? People followed him People there. wanted to play with him. Antonio yeah. Brown came to the Bucks. He didn't come to the Bucks because the Bucks were the Bucks. He came to the Bucks because of Tom Brady. Gronk came out of retirement. He was the 24-7 champion in WWE. And came out of retirement to go play with Brady. Gave up that promising career of swapping titles with R-Truth so he could play with Brady again. And, you know, for listeners who don't really follow the NFL or American football, we have some fans outside of the continental United States. In Austria. Uh, well, yeah. Also Sweden. But, yeah, that one listener in Austria, goddamn, whoever you are. Um, it's Arnold. This goes without saying, I love you. He listened to the Sylvester Stallone versus Arnold Schwarzenegger episode. Yeah, and that's probably it. He knew we gave yeah. praise to Commando. Not to get too inside baseball, but like the, the system that the NFL has set up, that all the other, it, it feels like all the other like sports um, leagues hasn't really mastered is like there's a salary cap and your team can only spend so much and you're. Because the NFL really tries, really tries for parity, which is a beautiful thing because every team has hope, unlike the NBA and the Major League Baseball and you name it. Where generally your large market teams dominate. Yeah. Yeah. And for Brady to constantly succeed within those boundaries, I mean – Free agency in the NFL didn't come around until 1993. So anytime anybody wants to bring up Montana or. Well, he had Jerry Rice, Roger Craig, John Taylor, Brent yeah, Jones, which, Ronnie which Lott. I've got a little list here. I'll bring that up later. Um, but what Tom Brady has done, you know, and people want to credit Bill Belichick, but Bill Belichick hasn't had a winning season without Brady. Yeah, well, that's something me and you talked about before, and I brought that up. When we talked about, like, because the big debate going into the season was who was more responsible for the success of the Patriots, right, Belichick or Brady? And you take, you know, people try to say that Brady left the team bare, 
but it was largely well, defensive. Belichick was in charge of it's all largely of that. defensive players that set the season out though, right? The offensive players were still the offensive players that were on the Patriots. The prior. And Chong and yeah. Good. So when Cam Newton came to the Patriots, he still essentially had the same weapons that Brady had and wasn't able to perform at the same level. You know, Brady well, you made also a, have to- Brady made a career out of taking average receivers and making them something. You know, I mean, Deion his, Branch. His first three Super Bowls, what they call those guys, the Smurfs, because they were all under 5'10". Yeah. And look at the year that he had Moss. He, he, well, <laughs> and, and that's what people will point out. They'll try to say, like, well, he had Randy Moss. Well, let's not forget that when Randy Moss came to the Patriots, he was considered washed up. He was coming well, he up for two years. He was coming – three years. He was coming off – He of, was injured for that second year. I know, but I'm just saying I – mean, he's a Patriot three years. But he was coming off a 500-yard season with the Raiders. There was no indication that Randy Moss was the same Randy Moss, and he got to play with Brady, and he has his best career, or he has his best year ever. Wes Welker yep. was a was a nobody. They come from the Dolphins. He got traded to the Patriots, and then he became somebody. Wes Welker doesn't well, become Wes Welker without Tom Brady. Here, here's the thing: you want to talk about the Patriot way? That shit can only be led in a room full of grown men. The Patriot way has always been Tom Brady. Yeah. Because it it's a man in the trenches who's leading you into battle. It's not, God bless him, like the head coach, Bill Belichick. It's not. It's it's Tom. Tom Brady was the Patriot way. You come in, you do your job, you fucking, you work hard. Well, people aren't going to, they're not going to stand for that shit that Belichick was doing, right? I mean, you saw it to where Gronk retired. And then as soon as yeah. Brady left the Patriots, Gronk's like, yo, I'm back. I mean, Belichick gave Brady the chance to pretty much run the team. But never not, not you know, staffing and he didn't he didn't give him the players though. Other than like yeah. that year they and you know the only reason they fucking got Randy Moss is because he got him cheap. Fourth they round. Yeah, they didn't get Randy Moss because like, hey, let's get a dominant receiver and give him to our quarterback. It's like, oh, we can get him cheap because yeah. people think he's done. Like you've seen that the entirety of Brady's career until he got well, the to recent the, report the that came out was the reason why they traded for Brandon Cooks because they were hoping for a Jimmy Garoppolo Brandon Cooks connection that could lead him into the future. Yeah, uh, and, I mean, and here we are now where you, we're, there's questions about Jimmy Garoppolo's future with the 49ers. and not to not Garoppolo, but he's not Brady. Of course by a long not. Shot. I mean, no, and I think I think like as far from my perspective. That argument's been settled. Who was more crucial to the success? And it's oh, yeah. Brady. People wanted to play for Brady. People didn't want to play for Belichick. Yeah. And in the ultimate team sport, who's the leader amongst men? It's Tom Brady. Now, I do need to – let me go ahead and do this right quick. I comprised a little list of pros and cons of people who I want to say are better quarterbacks than Thomas Edward Brady. Well, I can just I, read before you go into the pros and cons. Can I just throw out like one more stat, real quick? So the quarterbacks that Brady is often compared to, or just you know, people want to match him up against the Manning brothers, right? Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, and I'm not going to say Ben Roethlisberger because nobody compares Ben Roethlisberger to Tom Brady, but Brady oftentimes gets compared to the Manning brothers, Rodgers and Brees. Tom Brady has more Super Bowl victories than all four of those people combined. The Manning brothers have two apiece. Rodgers has one. Breeze has one. 
but these are the people that always come up in topic of the greatest of all time. Um, and one other thing before you get into your list, for the longest time, people said Joe Montana was the greatest quarterback of all time, right? True. And what was the reason? He never lost the Super Bowl. He, well, he won four Super Bowls. And so did Terry Bradshaw, but, you know, Terry Bradshaw, like, I think everybody would agree that Montana was a better quarterback than Terry Bradshaw, right? Bradshaw would chuck it up and had acrobatic receivers that would bring it down. But Montana won four Super Bowls. You know, and that was the reason why Dan Marino wasn't considered the greatest of all time was because he never won the Super Bowl, even though he had the stats. He went super early and thought he'd get it back, but never did. Yeah. The minute Tom Brady got ahead of Peyton Manning and it was obvious that Peyton Manning was never going to catch Tom Brady in Super Bowls, people started changing the narrative. Well, Super Bowls are a team stat. That doesn't mean he's the greatest of all time. That's not fair to Peyton Manning. Individual stats is what you got to look at. And, and we, we changed the way we measured the greatest of all time. Well, now Brady owns all those stats too. But I will say this about individual stats. Individual stats aren't individual. How many fucking Hall of Famers did Peyton Manning have around him at all, any given time? Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, Marshall Falk, Adrian James, Dallas Marcus, Clark. yeah, Dallas Clark, uh, Marcus Pollard. Manning had great I mean, offensive now, players. The last two guys you named weren't Hall of Famers, to be fair. They were still good players. No, they were, they were very, T- tight end. T- tight end. Marcus Pollard. Tight end is one of those positions where, you know, unless you're like Tony well, Gonzalez or don't yeah, try to shoot holes in it. Even, even when he went to the Broncos, he had Demarius Thomas, yeah, Derek Derker, exactly. Wes Wilker, Julius Thomas. Exactly. Um, I mean, Nocean Marino did good for him there, too. But yeah, he had, he's always had top-notch offensive players around him. Yes. So it's not like these are actually individual stats, you know, when you're throwing to other all pros. But that that became the argument was Brady's not the uh, greatest because he doesn't have individual stats. Well, now he has the Super Bowls and he has the individual stats. There's nothing standing in the way of this argument any longer. No, and that's why I've pretty much given up on the argument. Yeah. I can go now. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, which is crazy because people should have conceded Brady was the greatest five years ago. That goes, that's another topic, I guess. But I did compile a little list here of certain quarterbacks that people like to suck their dick. And uh, just a little pros and cons list, if you don't mind. Bear with me. This shouldn't be too long. Here we go. Peyton Manning. The pros of Peyton Manning. He has more endorsements than playoff wins. <laughs> pretty nice. Pretty nice. Um, he only had to start taking HGH in the latter part of his career. It's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Um, he commanded the most prolific offense in NFL history. And to make sure that that record stayed intact, he only put up an infinity symbol in the Super Bowl that year. Pretty good. Pretty good. Eight <laughs> points. Eight points. Yeah, we got you. He didn't win. We know. He didn't win. The cons of Peyton Manning or uh, Tom Brady has taken more shits that are more attractive than Peyton Manning. But that's probably more to do with how handsome Brady is and the high-fiber diet regiment that he's on. Okay, Joe Montana. The pros of Joe Montana. He, uh, he wears Skechers. Comfortable. Economical. Friendly. Shoes for everyone. It's good. It's good. It's the S. Yes. The cons. He only got to play with the greatest receiver of all time for seven years, guys. 
and with the greatest offensive mind ever for 11. Obviously, the football guy, the football god smite at Joe on that one. Not fair. Not fair for Joe. Drew Brees. He loves jewelry so much that he decided one ring was enough. <laughs> the cons. He loves jewelry so much that he got swindled out of $15 million worth of diamonds. That's good on Breeze for embracing the New Orleans hip-hop scene down there. Hey, Breeze is master to jump pass, too. I don't know if you see his deep yeah. passes, but he has to jump. Sure. Now we'll go to John Elway. The pros. <laughs> He's the only guy on this list who favors the team he played for. <laughs> the cons. He's the only guy on this list who favors the team he played for. Brett Favre. Good old boy from Mississippi who loves God, his country, and his fellow man. The cons. He loves his fellow man so much that he gifted them with the football over 330 fucking times. Steve Young. Pros. He's a dank-ass Mormon. (laughs) There's really no cons to that. He's just a dank-ass Mormon. Dan Marino. Here we go. He's the only guy on this list who's not into tacky hand accessories. The cons, he really should be into tacky hand accessories. <laughs> All right, so that's that's the little, I didn't make one for Aaron Rodgers. I totally forgot about Aaron Rodgers because everybody forgets about him in the playoffs. So who gives a fuck? <laughs> so on, on this podcast, the general, consist, the general consensus is Tom Brady, greatest quarterback of all time. I would agree. And that's coming from a Dolphins fan. I mean, I'm a Dolphins fan, but I'm not dumb. And if Mitchell, corrupt Mitchell, can fucking admit it, that means everybody can. What's your middle name, Mitchell? Mitchell. Is it Ronnie Mitchell? Yep. That's what I thought, yeah. If Ronnie Mitchell Edwards III can admit Thomas Edward Brady III... (laughs) Is the goat. Goat. But, I mean, I've listened to a few sports talk shows after Brady went to the Bucks, and he's become more likable. If the Super Bowl um, party after, you know, the parade didn't. The throw in the Lombardi. Yeah, doing all that kind of stuff. He has become Did more likable. Did you see the shit where the, the daughter of the person that designed the yes. Lombardi trophy is like, I lost two nights of sleep over it. <laughs> Yeah, they interviewed her, and she was almost crying. Like, you know what? Get over it. You should be. You should be happy that the Lombardi Trophy is actually reaching that level to where it's kind of like the Stanley Cup, where people are well, doing shit off, with it. Because if I had a choice to win like a trophy, okay, the fucking Stanley, Stanley Cup. Cup sure. Come on, that's the best wait trophy minute, in sports. The fact that we're giving this any air is silly. But can you imagine, like? Someone being upset that your grandfather or your father designed a trophy and that whatever it was done with, it it could have been caught up like somebody's asshole. Like, why would you lose? Who the fuck loses sleep? What she should what she should be worried about at this point is that trophy getting renamed to the Tom Brady trophy. I mean, who knows? Because that would be a more accurate name for it at this point. Who knows? In 20 years, it might be named because look. I know, look, I, let me just say this before we go off the air. My God, this is a long episode. But Rob Parker, uh, like a 
a talking head in the sports world here who who gives a shit what he thinks, but he has gone on and on about how Tom Brady is. He calls it the loat. My God, what great writing, Rob Parker, the luckiest of all time. Yeah. That's genius level fucking uh, creativity there. You want to be, you want to be real Tom Brady. If it wasn't for like five plays, is 10 and 0 in the fucking Super Bowl. Okay. Yep. Like Asante Samuel dropped an interception in that undefeated season Super Bowl. Wes Welker dropped if he, if a fucking, he doesn't if he doesn't drop that interception, we never get to the helmet catch. Yeah, exactly. If Wes Welker doesn't drop his pass. Yeah. Exactly. But then again, Marshawn Lynch. No, it, no, it, it it does go both ways. But I mean, I see what you're saying. But if you want if you want to say lucky then yeah. it goes, it, you know, that and there's a, there's a, I mean, there's a little luck obviously involved with oh, yeah. everything in sports, but you can't overlook the fact that somebody went to the Super Bowl 10 fucking times. No. And that's why I've, you know, I've said here recently, he cannot, he's undisputed as far as the greatest quarterback of all time. Because over 20 years, the man has went to the Super Bowl half of those years. And how about you're still fucking playing at a high level at 43? 40 touchdowns last year. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm not trying to speak out of turn here, but it's almost like a small podcast between friends that's getting international play in Austria. (laughs) It might be the greatest podcast of all time. I don't know. Yeah, once again... um, and, and, that, and that's where that this podcast will always be us agreeing on things. But in this case, there's really no argument. Tom Brady, greatest of all time. Case closed. Well, look, don't add listeners, us. listeners. I mean, the Tom Brady question, if you're a football fan, if you're not a football fan, it's actually not even a question. Um, It's more of a Bone true statement. brought it up after, after the Super Bowl because we originally were going to pick a different player. It's it is a fact. Uh which you can we brought do it up you to can, ambush Mitchell. Well, what you can do, listeners, I'm not on this platform, but you can blast Billy Bone on Twitter about he he brought up he, he wanted to do the PlayStation One games and for him to be so weak in his, his <sighs> His opinion that was brought to the table was just Metal Gear Solid, and that was it. Feel free to blast him on Twitter. Do we need to backtrack to it? I mean, I had I told you about the shirt. I told you about my car dying when I picked it up. I told you about all the hours I put into it. I know. You know but David Hayter's voice have- acting. I mean, come on. The the plot of Hideo Kojima that goes on. The, you know what? Since you brought it up, fuck. Here's my one knock against the Metal Gear games. It's, it's fucking five hour podcast. Hideo Kojima <laughs> loves a fucking cutscene, dude. And that was my problem with some of the later games like Metal Gear Solid 1, Metal Gear Solid 2, Metal Gear Solid 3, made are all fucking fantastic games. I even excuse Raiden in Metal Gear Solid 2. But then you get to Metal Gear Solid 4 and it becomes cutscene. You get to Metal Gear Solid 5 and I'm just kind of like, it's cool, but you know, the magic's not there. Yeah, he, and plus more cinematic. And know. plus, you replaced David Hayter with Kiefer Sutherland, and I have no problem with Kiefer Sutherland. He was fucking David for God's sake, but he's not Solid Snake. He's not Big Boss. If Solid Snake's a clone of Big Boss, 
He's not fucking Big Boss. David Hayter should have always been that voice, but whatever. And if you're going to tell people to fucking blast me on Twitter, you got to give them the uh, Twitter the handle. I, yeah, I, I was Billy Bone. That's right. I thought you were fixing to do that earlier. And I, I was Billy Bone. I, I'm not on Twitter, so I forgot his handle, but and, I do remember it. And Mitchell's on Twitter, too, and it's... What is your Twitter handle, sir? It's at M1 T C H E L L 1 5. So replace the wow, I and that Mitchell is with a 1. Super complicated. Mitchell, you get you, babe, you gotta, you gotta get a. We're gonna have to put that in the fucking comments about the episode so people can follow him. Well, Mitchell 1 5 was taken, so I put the 1 in there. I, I got it. Hey, so <laughs> check this out real, real quick. So. As always, you can check us out on our website, Very Unreasonable Things. And I kept promising that I would update the artwork on the website, and I finally did. So there's new shit on there instead of stock photos. VeryUnreasonableThings.com. Check it out. Maybe one day Josh will write something and put it on there. Uh, We have a Facebook page, which is Very Unreasonable Things. We are on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify. And I've submitted the podcast to the other carriers i'm still waiting for that callback on or not callback but email confirming it but hopefully we'll be on all the major carriers soon also for anyone who's made it this far god bless you god bless you the next movies that we'll we'll be covering if you want to take a a peek at them and sort of revisit them with us will be halloween no no, that's wrong that's wrong that's wrong those will be the next one next ones but the next episode to come out after this is going to be freddy's dead well, actually, it'll be Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday, and then it'll be Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. And then it'll be Halloween 1 and 2, and we'll have Daniel Sanders back on for that one. The, originally, the plan was for Freddy versus Jason to be one episode, but we had so much to say because we're so insightful that we had to split that bitch into two. Yeah. So, for anyone who's made it this far, as usual, I thank you. You're looking cute today. Look at yourself in the mirror. Give yourself a wink. You were looking fresh as fuck. And I just want to give a special shout out to Bone Stepdad, Stefan Wozniak. Um, you, you know the drill, babe. I love you. And um, I'll see you one day. Mitchell, anything else you want to say before we're done, man? Nah, man. I enjoyed it. Um, look forward to being invited back if this goes well. After all, editing. Well, I mean, even if it doesn't go well, you'll still have a chance to come back. I promise to be better next time. Bring more <laughs> notes. Say more. Be more intriguing. Be less corrupt. You can't be less corrupt. Thank you for being on here with us today. I, I think that's it. I think we've covered a lot of fucking ground, right? I mean, too much fucking ground, if you ask me. Uh, it's pretty lengthy, but hey, guys, uh, everyone, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.